Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, I know that there's lots of new people um, over the last few weeks. So um, my name's Joe, and as Adam said, and together with my husband, Mike, who you might have met on the door on the way in, um, we have the privilege of leading the South Shield site of Life Vineyard Church, which is amazing. Um, apologies if my fo- voice is a little bit croaky today. I've been fighting off a cold, but I've been um, on the throat lozenges as we've been worshipping. So hopefully you can hear me okay. Um, So we're in the middle of a series at the moment, looking at the building blocks of discipleship with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I found it so helpful to just sit and consider these fundamental aspects of what it means to live out and to grow in um, our faith and relationship with God. We've looked at the importance of prayer, and we've looked at um, talking and communicating with God. And last week, Palumi challenged us that we need to nurture and grow and mature our faith through our reading and our understanding of the truths of the Bible, not just for ourselves, but so that we will act on these promises as ambassadors, as kings, as priests to reign on earth. So that we don't just know scripture up here in our heads, but that we do scripture, that we obey and we follow his word and direction that we will live our lives as God, our creator, intended us to do. And that's where our talk's going to pick up today as we look at mission, at what it means to go for God. So um, I'm just going to pray as well because we can't get enough prayer, can we? But um, yeah, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the message that you've put on my heart. I thank you that you are an active God. I thank you, Lord, that you have, um, yeah, as we were just praying for growth in this church, you've got plans for growth of your kingdom, Lord, here in Wall's End and right across the northeast. And Lord, we just pray that you would take these words now and you would just um, help them to take root in our hearts, Lord, that we would be open to what you're saying this morning. Amen. So firstly, I want us to think about this word go. What does it mean? When you hear it, what do you think about? What do you feel? I've got some words coming up on the screen. But you might feel frightened by the word go. You might be told off. You might feel trusted or unsure or anxious. Maybe you feel excited. But you might feel rejected. You might feel chosen. You might feel you have to leave somewhere or move on. For me, at the end of August 2019, I knew for sure that God was telling Mike and I to leave the place we knew, like Abraham, in London, and to come and to go to the land that he was going to show us. And that turned out to be South Shields and the Northeast, and we love it. But back then, we knew nobody here. We had no family, no friends, no connection, no job. And it looked crazy to those that were looking in from the outside. But we knew that God had spoken, and we knew we had to obey. But that doesn't mean that it was easy, and it doesn't mean there weren't moments where we kind of looked at each other and thought, what on earth are we doing? But, you know, going doesn't always mean that. It doesn't always mean leaving. When I first became a Christian, I was working for a large accountancy firm, and I was doing marketing and business development, um, thankfully nowhere near the numbers. Um, And I was working in the private equity sector, and don't mishear me, this isn't a judgment on the sector or anybody that's working in it, but for me, when I became a Christian, God was breaking my heart for the poor, for the oppressed, for the rejected, for the outcast, and I didn't really like the idea that my job was, in essence, making rich people richer, that's how I saw it at the time, Um, and so I wanted to leave, and I asked God if I could leave, and he said no, no, you are to stay, there's work for you to do here, so I stayed, at least until those assignments had finished, and then he did release me into a new role. 
And I did my job at the accountancy firm. And I also got involved in the Christian fellowship there and helped to make it more kind of evangelistic and, and outward facing. But I also grew some deep friendships with the people that I worked with. And there were a couple of colleagues in particular who were going through some really, really tough times while I was there. And I was able to love them, to listen to them, like intentionally to do that, because I felt this is what God's asked me to do, to ask questions, and I guess really just to care and to love them. And in doing that, that gave me opportunities to pray with them and to speak the truth of Jesus into their lives in a really sensitive way. You know, I remember one um, lunchtime, I was in the canteen, we were buying lunch, um, and I just felt, on the way back to my desk, I was with my friend, and I just felt the Holy Spirit nudge me and offer to pray with her, which I was really nervous to do, um, but I did, and she was so grateful um, and really appreciated the prayer. So my point is that going is not so much about leaving where we are or about the size of the move that we, that we make, but it's about stepping out in obedience to what God's asking us to do, to make ourselves available and willing for him to use. Are you willing, are we willing to sacrifice our credibility, our status, our wealth, our time, our convenience for his purposes? So now that we've got an idea of what it means to go... I want us to look really at why this is an important building block in our discipleship as we follow Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus, firstly, means that we've got a greater purpose than simply to live a fulfilled and happy life. As Palumi so wonderfully explained last week, we are kings and priests in God's kingdom. We are ambassadors for Christ in this world. And that means that we represent Christ and all he stands for, his values, his way of life, his authority. When we become Christians and decide to follow Jesus, we're born again into the family of God. God is our Father. We are co-heirs with Christ, citizens of heaven, ambassadors of his kingdom here on earth. Our lives are no longer our own, but we have surrendered them to God to be used for his glory and his purposes. And he wants us to play our part, our role in advancing his kingdom of telling others about the good news of Jesus, of inviting them to meet him and to start a relationship with, them, with him, of commanding healing and bringing restoration, freedom and joy, of speaking the truth in the face of lies, and of loving others with God's love. So what is this kingdom that we represent? Well, it's the dominion of God. It's the rule and reign of Jesus. It's his power, his authority breaking out. His peace, his healing, his freedom, his glory. Jesus won the victory over sin and darkness over 2,000 years ago. And while his kingdom, the kingdom is here now, it's not yet fully here. The enemy still tries to assert his lies and his power, doesn't he? So as Christ's ambassadors, our role is to represent him on earth, to proclaim the good news and to heal the sick. Let me put it another way. Who wants to see the kingdom of God pushed back and for people to live in the freedom and wholeness of Jesus' kingdom? Who wants to see relationships restored, addictions broken, the sick healed, lonely brought into families and people to know and to live out their identity and authority given by Jesus? I know I do. Secondly, being a follower of Jesus means being willing to leave the secret place with God. One thing that we learned from Don and Palumi was that it's important that we make time in our lives to speak to God, read his word and hear from him, 
especially in that secret place where it's just us and God. But what Palumi so brilliantly set up last week is that we're not simply to stay in that place of a personal encounter, but we have those encounters so that we're filled up with power and truth of God so that we can go out into the world and encounter others. In Matthew 17, three of Jesus' closest disciples have the most amazing encounter with him. He takes them up a mountain. And I think the words, yep. Um, There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. You know, Peter wanted to stay in that place. He wanted to enjoy that moment. He was going to put up the tents and they were going to take, you know, it was going to be a long time. But that wasn't the plan. That wasn't what Jesus wanted. And the next thing that happens is that while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. You know, the disciples needed that experience, but it wasn't for them alone. They were to get up and they were to go back down the mountain and they were to continue to teach and to demonstrate that the kingdom of God was here, especially once Jesus had been raised from the dead. And the same is true for us today. We can have all the amazing encounters of the Holy Spirit, and that is, that is amazing. But we need to listen to Jesus. We need to get up, and we need to go back down the mountain in his power and authority to those around us so that we can be used in the way that God wants to use us to be his hands and feet to those around us. And then thirdly, being a follower of Jesus means being willing to embrace the interruptions. I don't know about you, but this is the one I find hard. <laughs> Mission is not a calling set aside for a select few. It's a calling for all of us. You know, I'm not talking about the role of an evangelist or um, of a missionary, but I'm talking about the fact that we are all called to be witnesses to Jesus, to make disciples, and to love our neighbours. Ellie Mumford, who started the Vineyard Movement um, in the UK with her husband John back in the 80s, talks about gossiping the gospel. You know, just talking about Jesus in our ordinary everyday No matter where we are, God's put us in a mission field, from the school gates to the workplace, from the running track to the neighborhood. We all have an area or a sphere of influence, you know, where we live our lives. And that could be a small number of people or it could be a large number of people. But the point is there will be people who don't know Jesus and he wants to meet them. Well, you have ears to hear and eyes to see what God wants to do through you. This doesn't involve necessarily kind of overt evangelism in the sense that you might think of it. It can be showing compassion, feeding the hungry, helping the prisoner, housing the homeless and so on. You know, the pantries, grass boots, the lamp cafe, Noah's Ark, the things that we do here in the church are great examples. Showing that we care and earning people's trust is key to being able to speak into their lives and walk with them in their time of need. In some respects, this can be a dangerous prayer to pray because God will show up in 
big time and our plans are likely to get disrupted. But if you mean it, I'd encourage you to do this, to dedicate your day to the Lord each morning, to say something like, Lord, this is the day you have made. I have plans and an agenda for today, but I'm opening, open to you interrupting that. Give me eyes to see as you see and ears to hear what you want me to do today. And I promise you, if we pray that prayer and we mean it, we will see God act in amazing ways through us. And really, that's not dangerous at all. That's exciting and empowering. The problem is, most of us have crammed our schedules full um, with so many activities and travel and commute that we don't have time to be interrupted. So maybe we just need to slow down, become less hurried, as John Mark Homer encouraged us to do, and make time for God. You know, this might mean leaving the house a little bit early so that you can get the an earlier bus in the morning so that you get time to sit and to chat with somebody at the bus stop. It might mean that you use the manned checkouts at the supermarket rather than the self-service ones so that you can chat with the cashier as you go put all your stuff through. It might mean walking, walking to your friend's house rather than getting in the car and driving so that you can smile and say hello at the people that you meet on the way. And you know, I'm talking to myself here as much as you guys. Just imagine the possibilities of what could happen if we do that this week. Taking a look at the Bible and looking at what Jesus did is always a good idea, isn't it? So at this point, I'd like us to turn to Luke chapter 8. Jesus had just commanded... This is um, verses 40 to 48. Jesus had just commanded this life-altering miracle in casting out legions of demons in a man and saving him from himself. And I'm sure he was feeling pretty exhausted after that. Emotionally drained, physically drained, spiritually drained. And he barely had time for a rest because as we read from verse 40... Now, when Jesus returned, this is straight after this has happened, a crowd welcomed him for they were expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Now Jairus was a synagogue leader. He was an important man, and the custom and the culture of that time would have said that Jesus should follow him. But what happens next is really interesting. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, said Jesus. But when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Jesus was interrupted again. While on his way to Jairus' house, somebody touched his cloak Now, there was a huge crowd, and most likely everybody would have been jostling for position to get close to Jesus, to hear what he was going to say. But it was more than that. Jesus had felt power leave him. He knew someone was being healed. And while the custom, as I said, would have been that he should have just carried on to the synagogue ruler's house, Jesus stopped. And he took time to search the crowds for that person who touched him. 
And when she came forward, it was in stark contrast to the elite status of Jairus. She was a woman. She was an outcast. And she wasn't even welcome in the synagogue where Jairus would have ruled because of her bleeding. And then Jesus took time to speak gently to her and personally to her. You know, I imagine in that moment, all the hustle and bustle of the crowds would have just faded away. And it was just her and Jesus. Him taking her hand and speaking tenderly to her, accepting her, loving her. And then suddenly, bam, the crowds would have been back and somebody from Jairus' house would have run over in a panic and the words would be tumbling out all over each other as he tells Jairus and Jesus that the little girl has died. What if Jesus hadn't have stopped for that woman? Would the little girl still be alive? But Jesus was unfazed and continued to Jairus' house, whereupon he did heal the girl. And you know, what we learn from this, from Jesus, is that interruptions are to be welcomed and not avoided. The goal isn't so much the end of the journey, but it's the journey itself, as somebody once said. So let's commit our day to, the, to God and let's listen for the interruptions, for the nudge of the Holy Spirit, of who he wants us to stop for and what he wants us to do. And then fourth and finally, being a follower of Jesus means we help to bring in the harvest. When Jesus sent out and gave his authority to his disciples, not just the 12, but the 72 others, Luke tells us in chapter 10, He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. And the first thing I want to note here is that Jesus sent out 72. He sent them out together. They are workers together. You know, if Mike and I hadn't have received the welcome that we did when we moved up from you guys, we might not be doing the things that we're doing now. None of us can do this on our own. Mission isn't an individual thing. We need to get alongside each other, encourage each other, support each other, pray for each other. If you're not in a team or you're you're not volunteering in one of the projects or you're not part of a, um, a life group, I'd really encourage you to do so. We go by participating, by getting involved, and by supporting each other. As his ambassadors and his witnesses, we are to testify to Jesus. We're to glorify him with our actions and invite others to meet him. Will we do this? You know, we have the hope of the world. Do you know that? The hope of the world living in us. And we have a choice. Do we share that hope with our friends with our neighbours, with our colleagues who are desperately looking for answers to a broken and messed up world, to pain and to sadness? Or do we keep it to ourselves, afraid of rocking the boat or causing offence or looking foolish? We are called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and love our neighbour as ourselves. And you know, part of that love is to share the best news that we have with them to share Jesus with the people around us that we connect with each day, even in the smallest of ways. It's not necessarily um, about evangelizing, as I said. It's about how we live and how we love, and by taking the time with people and asking questions, listening to them and listening to the Holy Spirit. You know, I found that when I'm in tune with the Holy Spirit during my quiet times, in prayer and devotion, in scripture and in worship, 
I'm much better able to sense what he wants to do, who he wants me to meet, how and when. And when I'm in step with that, I see him work in people in amazingly powerful ways. You know, Mike and I, we've got a friend and she's adamant that she's an atheist and kind of we've not been able to have loads of conversations about faith but she was having difficulties at home and one day she came over and we were just talking with her about it and she shared some of her pain and Mike felt that that nudge of the Holy Spirit that you can't kind of like ignore um telling him to pray offer to pray with her and he said you know look I know that you don't believe in God but we do. And I really believe that he sees your pain and he wants to meet you in it. Would you mind if we pray for you? And to our surprise, maybe not, shouldn't have been surprised, but she said yes. Um, And we got to pray with her. And you know, she met God in that moment and tears fell from her face. Now, I'm not saying that she became a follower of Jesus from that point, but I do believe that God used us to bless her in her times of difficulty. And she said afterwards that she can see something different in us because of our faith. It's about loving people and living our lives with Jesus. We don't know how he'll use that moment or other moments like it. But, you know, we say yes, don't we? We say yes and we play our part. And sometimes stepping out of our comfort zone is difficult. But we step out of it so that we can see the Holy Spirit show up. We learn to trust him more. You know, last weekend... um, a group of us from South Shields site, we were out on the streets of South Shields giving out um, free chocolate um, as a token of God's love to people in the town that we were meeting. And um, there was a group that we were kind of out in three different groups, but one of the groups met a lady who was out shopping for some medicine. Her husband had just come out of hospital. He was housebound. And she was really lonely, um, and she really appreciated being stopped um, and kind of just having a chat with the guys. And they offered to pray with her, and she accepted. So not only did she get to go away with a free bar of chocolate um, to enjoy later, but she went away knowing that people cared, that God cared, and she was blessed by that. And it can feel scary sometimes, can't it, to step out of our comfort zone. I'm not saying this is easy. But honestly, with the Holy Spirit with us, we don't need to worry. We don't need to be afraid, for the Lord our God is with us. He will guide us as to who we speak with, what we say, and when. Mission will help us to grow in our trust and our dependency on God. It helps us to grow in our spiritual gifts. And it helps us to discern God's voice. It helps us to see the kingdom expand and the people around us to find the hope and love of Jesus. So I'm just going to come into land. Perhaps the band want to just come back up. Um, But as Christians, we're called to be Christ's witnesses. We're called to love our neighbours and point them to him. And we do this out of the authority and identity as ambassadors for Christ, as his hands and feet... We enjoy relationship with God on our own, yes, but we won't mature in our faith from that place alone. We have to remember that we have to get up and we have to go down the mountain too. We have to go out from that place of intimacy where we're filled with the power and be sensitive to his voice. We have to be ready for the interruptions to our planned schedules. The harvest is here. People are seeking Jesus, even if they don't know it. And we get to be the ones who point to him, who shine his light and bring his hope, extending God's kingdom in the lives of those around us. And as we go, we get to take God's own spirit with us 
We see him work in the most incredible and faith-building ways. Who's up for this adventure? Um, so as I was preparing this talk, and I know that um, Adam and David might also have things for ministry, but as I was preparing this talk, I felt that God will be speaking to some of you about surrendering your life, as you know it, for the better things of the kingdom. And this isn't about guilting anybody into anything today, far from it, but I feel that perhaps there are one or two of you here who know God's been speaking to you about this, that you've not wanted to let go of control or plans that you've put in place or finances and he's extending an invitation to you today. He's holding out his hand to you and he's inviting you to trust him and to follow him. And if that's you, I want you to be really brave. Perhaps we could all just stand if you're able. And I want you to be really brave. And I want you to come to the front, not so that everybody can see, but just as a physical response to that call, to Jesus holding out his hand to you and saying, come. Come with me on this adventure. So if that's you,